Father, thank you. Thank you for John and Christine Chang. Thank you for their family. Thank you, Lord, that even though they're apart from us right now, physically, Lord, you are with them. And so, Lord, thank you that you brought them to our body here, Lord, even moving all across the United States and all the places that you've taken them. Thank you, Lord, that you've brought them here to be with us. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for healing on John's body. Lord, that he would know his peace throughout him. Lord, that he would be strong. Lord, that there wouldn't be any long-term effects of this thing. But, Father, that it would just dry up and come out of him now in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we pray for protection on the rest of the family, that no one else will get it, that this virus will stop and stay dead on that doorstep, and that it won't go into any more family members. Mm -hmm. Father, we pray protection on them and blessing, Lord. Thank you for 10 years of marriage. Lord, we ask you, God, that you will fill them with your peace right now, that you will fill them with your grace, that they would know, Lord, that you are there with them according to your word, and that, Father, that they will be built up as they seek you and know you. Lord, I pray for all the children as they're stuck in the house for all these days, that they'll know peace as well, and that, Father, the kids would have the joy of the Lord ever before them. Father, thank you for this family. And, Lord, thank you for all our people home who might be sick right now. Lord, anyone in our body or our friends, our neighbors, Lord, we ask you in Jesus' name, heal them too. Lord, we pray, God, you are the great king over all things. Lord, let us, let us taste the restored bodies now, Father, by knowing your healing. Lord, we trust you and we thank you and we praise you because you are so good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're in the book of First Peter, and Peter is, I, I really like First and Second Peter. I mean, I like the whole Bible, let's be honest. I, I say that about every book. But First uh, Peter and Second Peter are, it's just different than reading some of the other books in the New Testament. And these letters were written to basically Christians in modern-day Turkey. And so Peter is writing to those Christians. He's encouraging them in the Lord, and he's helping them to know, uh, to know the gospel and to walk in it. And so as we come to 1 Peter, we're seeing this letter that he's writing that's also being written in a time of, of affliction. So the people are being persecuted. Now, when we think of persecution of the church, we often think of the gladiators and the, you know, being the lions and all this kind of stuff and Christians being fed to lions. And those things happened. Uh, they're not happening at this exact moment. So those are, those are awful things that have, that have occurred historically. This persecution that's happening, particularly in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, has been more of uh, slandering and uh, inability to get jobs and reputations that have been beat down because people are Christians. Uh, this is also akin to what our brothers and sisters in Pakistan are dealing with. There is actual physical violence that happens. So um, not about a year ago, a pastor and his whole family were burned alive in Pakistan. And so there's horrible tragedies every day that happened there because it's a Muslim country, but only a few percent, like 1%, a little more of the population is Christian. And so what's happened to the population is the Muslim government has deemed certain jobs unavailable to Christians because they don't follow the normal Muslim guidelines. And so that means that if you want to be uh, in a very hard labor service job, no problem. That's great. You can do that. Uh, but there is no possibility of getting other jobs. And I'm using that example to say this is kind of the same sort of persecution and affliction and suffering that Peter's talking about. Some of it is actual physical things. But our mind sometimes rushes to the sufferings for Jesus being lions eating people. And the reality here is that 
the suffering for Christ that people are doing is also that their reputations are being shot down, that people can't get jobs, that they're not trusted in the community, people are talking about them. Uh, they're not able to just do their businesses and, and they have to seek each other out for comfort and help because the rest of the community doesn't really trust them, which is fascinating because then God moves and suddenly as the Lord moves, the whole community just start becoming Christians. Isn't it amazing that God uses a people who are chastised to reach a people who are, who are hardened against him? And suddenly they're like, we believe in Jesus. How does that happen? It happens because the Lord's the one who saves. That's incredible, isn't it? But that's some of the things that are going on here. And so Peter is encouraging the people through all this difficulty and helping them understand what God has done, what he is doing, and how they fit into that picture. And he's telling them that they are being built into a spiritual house for the Lord. Let's read together in 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to start reading here at verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Here's what Peter says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Isn't that a great verse? That's a good verse, isn't it? We should do that. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Verse 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. What a great way to end a letter. What a great way. The word of the Lord is so beautiful. What I'm focusing on here in this little series that we're looking at in 1 Peter is that the Lord himself, in verse 10, will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Would you like to be restored, confirmed, strengthened, and established? Especially, he's said too, in the context, in the midst of suffering, the Lord of grace himself is going to do these things. Today we're going to talk about what it means to be confirmed in the Lord. To be confirmed in the Lord. Will you turn back with me please to 1 Peter chapter 2, just one page back really, verse 4 and 5. First Peter 2, 4 and 5. Here's the motif that, Paul, that Peter is using as he's speaking to the people of what God is doing in the world. He says this, As you come to him, that's Jesus Christ, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be, holy, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In the midst of suffering, God has a plan for his people, and his people are that they are being built together into a holy house, a temple together, a royal priesthood in which they're offering spiritual sacrifices to God. We've kind of covered this already, so if you want more information on that, look back over the last two weeks. But I'm coming back to this because as Peter is explaining to the people what he's doing, what God is doing, he's showing them that the Lord has this grand plan that they themselves together, though chastised, though derided by the community, all those kind of things, are being built together and knit together into this spiritual house 
where they offer sacrifices that are acceptable to God. This is important because God is a builder. He doesn't just bless people and kind of move along. He builds people. And he's building the people together into this house in which they are representing God. And so even through the suffering that they're having in the community, their testimony together of meeting, of joy, of of serving one another, of uh, outdoing each other in good deeds and humility and all these kind of things is representing to this community who doesn't like them that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he offers a way of life that is so different than the norm that they are used to. Because the world's norm is gossip, slander, and breaking people down. You can see it on any television show. You can see it on any comment in Facebook. That's the norm of the world. That's the way things go. But then we hear this great hope of God building people into this house together and the Lord himself indwelling that people to demonstrate his power in the world. That's a good heritage, and that's your heritage in Jesus Christ. That's good news. And so these words that he's using in chapter 5, especially these few words of restore and confirm and strengthen and establish, they're construction words. And he's ending his letter with this encouragement that the Lord himself is being faithful to the work of building that he's already doing, and he's using restored people who he himself has given grace to, and he is putting them in place as living stones to be in this holy temple for God. The second one he says here is confirm. He confirms that, that the people are put where they need to be. This word confirm is good. It's, it's, uh, it's an interesting Greek word that can be translated a lot of ways. Uh, some of these words are very similar in how they work in the Greek. And so you have to be careful about the context of how uh, Peter is using them. But this word is to, to buttress, to build up, to put in place, to strengthen. And when it's used in the right context here... Confirm means set in a place that holds together. And so this word is an excellent word of God confirming the people. Have you ever built um, a toy for your child or for a little kid? Any kind of toy? We have uh, my little girl, Eden. She turns five today is her birthday. She turns five. Yeah, she's, listen, Mother's Day weekend. (sighs) Praise the Lord. Lisa's birthday was Friday. It's good. Man, says, I pray for grace for me this weekend because I'm feeling it. Anyway, her birthday is today. Whenever you have a little kid's toy, I've, and the ones you got to put together, like a Barbie playhouse or a bike or something, have you ever finished building them and then you have extra pieces? And you're like, I hope those were extra. Maybe, surely they just put them in extra just so that you'd have it in case you lose something, right? Because I probably would lose this huge screw that's left over. I don't, I don't know. And so then you're like, how can I? Now, especially a five-year-old's bike. We didn't get, we got eaten a bike like a year ago for, for Christmas. And uh, when you're left over with these extra parts, I, you know, I am way too heavy for a five-year-old's bike to try it out to make sure it's safe. So I'm going on a lot of faith here that when she gets on that thing, it's going to be safe for her, that it's okay to go. When you're putting that thing together, if it all doesn't come together just right, the child's safety can be at stake. And so when you're using those pieces, when you put them all in place, you have to confirm that they're the right pieces. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. you got to put it in place. If you're building a house and you have studs in your walls, those major support things that are holding up your walls, and you cut them too short, your ceiling is going to be all messed up. 
but the actual structural integrity of the house is going to be weird because it's either going to be lopsided or it's not going to hold right there. You can't have a stud that doesn't attach at the top. And so when you are working and doing anything that you build, you've got to confirm things. You know that old adage that construction people say of measure twice and cut once. That's the confirm word. Measure twice, cut once, to make sure that you're in the right place, that you're held secure, that you fit just like you need to fit. Uh, I used to, we used to live in Wentzville, and we had a little house up there. It was really cute, and it was a new construction at the time, and so we bought it as a spec house, you know, where it had already been built, and, and uh, it was, no one had bought it, and so we, we got it, and it was a great house, and we were super blessed. And out the back door, there was just a piece of wood to keep you from falling out the back door. There was, there was nothing there. So I took the wood down, I decided I was gonna build a patio, and boy, I, man, I made my schematics and my plans, and I should have called Ron to help me with engineering, because I'm not an engineer. And I made all these plans, and I had it all ready to go, and I, I got steps, and I got all this equipment, and I had all the pieces together, and I was gonna put patio pavers down, these concrete blocks. And so I made a foundation for it, and I had to build a wall first to hold it up, because the the grade of the yard came down, got it all ready to go, built the wall, put everything in there, started laying the blocks, and I got to the very edge, and I was half a width of block away from the edge because I had measured wrong at some point in the process. And I went back and I was like, how is this possible? Because now I have to take these concrete blocks and somehow break them in half cleanly to make them fit. And I was so frustrated because I had checked and rechecked and rechecked and rechecked. And I went back and I was like, how could I have possibly have done this wrong? And I handed it to Lisa and she goes, oh, your math is wrong. And I checked and rechecked and rechecked with wrong math every time, making sure I knew exactly how far to put that thing and did it wrong from the very first step. A lot of Christians think that this idea of being confirmed in God is that we check and recheck and check and recheck. We've got to make ourselves just right for the Lord. And if we don't, we're not going to fit into place. We're not going to be able to do what he's called us to. If we're not just the right measurement, we can't do it. But the reality is the Lord who invented math is much better at it than we are. And he's the one who measures twice and cuts once. He's the one who places us, confirms us, and puts us in the right spot. Let's see what Peter has to say about this. Turn to 2 Peter with me, if you will. 2 Peter. We're going to look at chapter 1. Just read with me, starting at verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Let's read this little chunk here together, starting in verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted us to his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very, re very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, your virtue with knowledge, your knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or are unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, 
having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. Another way to translate that is, be all the more diligent to confirm yourself. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for his word. How are we confirmed? Paul, Peter says here, we are confirmed by following these qualities. And he's reminding them. And then he goes throughout the, the next uh, several chapters here in 2 Peter to remind the people of these qualities, that they would stand in them. What are the qualities? He told us. We should supplement faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, also self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. If we abound in these things, then we confirm, we make our election sure by abounding in these qualities that God has called us to. That's, these are good things, right? These are a good list. Is it easy to supplement your faith with virtue? Knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. It's not easy to do those things sometimes. You know, there are people that work their whole life trying to measure themselves, trying to measure twice and cut once to try to cut out certain things out of their life that they can be more like God and try to follow him exactly. And it's good. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. He helps us. He brings us to repentance. He changes us. The Bible says that he sanctifies us. But here's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you this. How are you confirmed? How do you become confirmed in the Lord's building place? If that confirmation is knowing these qualities, if the confirmation is resting in who he is and what he's done, how does that take place? Turn back with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. I know we're bouncing around. It will all make sense in a second. 1 Peter chapter 2. We read before. Let's start in verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. All right, pause with me for a second. If you put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander, what are you left with? Brotherly love, brotherly affection and love. You're left with steadfastness. It's the opposite. You see how he's, he's continuing in Second Peter some of the same ideas that he has. Put away all those things. Long for this, poor, this pure spiritual milk. And in verse 4, as you come to him, this we already read this, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you, you yourselves are like living stones and are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, that whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Now, if you're reading that and your reputation is being slandered every day, you can't get, you can't get special jobs, you're being derided by the community, everything that's happening around you is pushing you closer to Christians but farther away from everybody else because they are treating you like second-class citizens everywhere you go. And then you hear 
trusting in him, I'll not be put to shame. Verse 7, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the, stone, the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do so. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Praise the Lord. What a good, what a good heritage we have. Here's what I want to tell you today. This is what it means to be confirmed. To be confirmed in the Lord means he has made you his. He's restored you. He's taken you and the sin and death that surrounds you. He saved you through Jesus Christ by calling you. He made you his. He nailed your record of debt for your sin to the cross when he crucified Christ. The Bible says that Jesus Christ died for us, paying the penalty of sin. And when he died, we identify in baptism that we died with him. When he rose, we say by faith, Lord, when you rose, I rose. And not me now this life I live, but you living through me. I'm crucified with Christ, but now I live in him. And you become a restored new creation in him. And it's like every breath you breathe is because he's made you alive. And then he confirms you. Not by you trying to shave off pieces all the time. Not by you trying to measure yourself to make sure you're right. But because he takes the measurement of Christ and he puts it on you and says, I'm going to make you look like my son. And whatever derision we have in life, whatever things happen against us, whatever slanders or suffering that, uh, that occurs, the Lord himself puts the measure of his own son upon us. Have you ever built a wall? Have you ever built a wall or seen a wall built? The most important thing is that first, that cornerstone that you put down. Because the cornerstone becomes the measurement of every piece that's put against it. And the great truth that I want to share for you today is this. The Lord is building us into his own spiritual house where he's dwelling in us. The Lord, like living stones, is putting us all together. But he isn't putting us together where we're trying to measure up to all the things. Instead, he's putting us locked in against the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. And that cornerstone becomes the leveling line for all of us. He is our salvation. He is our hope. He is our truth. He is our everything. And as we rest and lean against Jesus, we find that he confirms us to do all the work that he's called us to do because he's made us to be a royal priesthood for him. Your heritage is better, is better than just living through stumbling on the earth. Instead, it's locked into the cornerstone where we are being built up together. Being confirmed means that the Lord has placed us against Jesus, locked into him, with him, united with him to be built into one dwelling. If you know Jesus, then you can know peace. Once upon a time, I was, uh, I was doing a, a mission in Iraq years and years ago, and I had to, I had to get into a building that was, that, that was next to a building that we were in, and in order to get in there, I had to climb a wall, and the wall was too, hall, too high for me to climb. And so one of my buddies helped me, and we started pressing up against this wall and jumping up. And I got on top of the wall, and I suddenly realized that the other side was much farther down than I thought it would be. 
And so it wasn't, it wasn't crazy height. I wasn't going to get hurt real bad, but it was just farther than I thought. And because I had all this gear on and stuff, I couldn't quite get over the wall. And so I was just sort of stuck. I was like Humpty Dumpty, kind of up there. And the guy below me was one of the sergeants that I worked with, and he was a great guy. He was like Rambo. This guy was, I mean, he was, he was for really a soldier. And uh, he was below me, and he's like, hey, are, are you OK up there? And I said, uh, I said no, I, I'm kind of stuck. And he goes, here's what, here's what you're going to do. Do like a little push-up, and then I'm going to help you over the wall. I said, all right. And so he had to jump to kind of get me over. And so I did like a little push-up, so I get off. I had you know, all this gear on, and it was stuck. So I did this little push-up, so I get over the gear. And then all of a sudden, I felt him kind of push me. And all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm just laying on the other side on my back. And I'm just on the ground, like, oh, like this. And he's like, look out, here comes the gear. He starts throwing stuff over his landing. It was awful. And he goes, hey, you OK over there? And I said, uh, I said not really. But I didn't, want to, I didn't want to seem weak, so I jumped up in my pain. Like, yeah, I'm good. Uh, not really, but I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. Let's go. Now I've realized that I'm on the other side of the wall that he can't get over. And I'm alone in a building that I can't get back. And it was not, it was not, you know, this day was a bad day. It was just not a good day, a lot of bad things. And so I'm standing on this building, on this roof of this building, and I can't get over the wall, and I'm just stuck. And so I'm standing there looking at this place, looking at this building, and thinking, what am I going to do now? And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes this guy, this Rambo guy, just flying over this thing. I don't even know how he did it. He just vaulted himself somehow. He had no help. He found like a barrel, jumped on the barrel, somehow got to the top, fell over, came crashing, and now we're together. That was a well-constructed wall, because we put a lot into it, and we made it over. Sometimes in life, we feel like this. We feel like the Lord is going to confirm us in our faith. He's going to use suffering to do it. We find ourselves feeling alone. We find ourselves stuck in a weird situation. We find ourselves where we're unsure. We don't know if our reputation is going to make it. We don't know what's going to happen. And out of nowhere, the Lord, at the right time, he sent his son for the ungodly. You understand, Jesus Christ came for us to die for us when we were unworthy. You can't build anything on people who are rotten. You can't use rotten pieces to build something. So the Lord took us in his son. He rescued us. He restored us. He saved us. He made us one with Christ. And then he put his perfect cornerstone down, the Lord Jesus himself. And he said, I'm going to take you and build something great through him. And I'm going to unite you to that cornerstone where all our imperfections suddenly wash away, not because we do great work on ourselves and it's self-help and all this kind of stuff. They wash away because of Jesus. Because we come to the cross and we know him, we know his blood and his resurrection. We come to him who is our hope. And we find ourselves locked against the cornerstone who is our help. And he's the one that the Holy Spirit uses to measure against us, to change us, to take off all these things, to confirm us as we're being built into him to do something great for God. The Lord is placing you into his people through Christ in the cornerstone that you would be built into something great for him 
a spiritual house that would offer spiritual sacrifices and do great things. Your heritage is rich, and your confirmation is true if you believe in Jesus. Hey, sweetheart, do you have another cup? Can I can borrow? Let's come to the table of the Lord. Thank you. As we come to the table, we're going to remember Jesus, that he died for us, that he rose again, that he's our cornerstone, he's our help, he's the one who gives us the ability to have brotherly love and brotherly affection and love because it's his character that we're built upon because we're in him. As we eat this bread, remember, he's the cornerstone that our lives are built on. Take the bread with me. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, this was his body which is broken for us that we should do this in remembrance of him. Let's partake of the bread together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying that this was the cup of the new covenant in his blood, that we should do this in remembrance of him. Let's partake of the cup knowing that he is our cornerstone and he's our life. Can I ask the musicians to come back up? We're going to close now. Let's pray together and thank the Lord. Our cornerstone our help, our life. He's our peace. He's our everything. And we have a heritage because of him. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word and thank you that your plan is good for us, that you're building us. Lord, you're building us up not just to have faith for ourselves or to do good things, but you're building us up into this spiritual dwelling because you have indwelled us. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit that you are with us. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will help us to rest on you, our cornerstone. Father, that, that we would know you in every way, that we would, we would submit to you and see you, Father. Lord, help us, God, as you are confirming us because we are your children, that, Lord, we would know the locking in of our place against Christ. That, Lord, it's because of you, it's because of your death and resurrection, it's because of your salvation that we have life. And so, Father, we say we rest on you our cornerstone, our life. We rest on you, Jesus. You are everything to us. And we praise you and submit ourselves to you in Jesus' name.